Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. The Go Radio Football Show with The Taxi Centre. Listen anytime, wherever you get your podcasts. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808 17 17 700. Not one, not two, but three helpings of that old firm feeling coming up. Maybe all three next month as Celtic and Rangers both target the title and the Scottish Cup. Rangers are in pursuit of a European prize as well. Celtic, having already landed the League Cup, are chasing a treble. What do you think, John Harson? Well, they put themselves in in a position to do that. Um, there's another good good win last night at Dundee United. They got the job done. Um, Their leaders, you know, top of the league. They've already got one cup in the bag. But there's no talk of any treble. Uh, I think the supporters can maybe dream about it, and you know, uh, maybe one or two whispers in the dressing room. But in terms of Ange Postecoglou taking it one game at a time, uh, that will be what they want to do. That will be the aim. But uh, you know they've got a great opportunity. They play Rangers in the semi-final. That could that could go either way. It's a fifty-fifty game, in my opinion, the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. But uh, listen, it, it's it's there. It's there for them. It's there for Rangers. But um, it's just a case of in that semi-final, it, it who turns up on the day. Uh, you know, I don't see an awful lot between the teams. Although I think Celtic nowadays are, are a different animal to six months ago. You know, under Ange, the work that he's done. Uh, but I still see it as a 50-50 game and both sides will know what's at stake. 19-year-old former Celtic and Hearts defender Aaron Hickey is in the Scotland squad for the first time, picked for the friendlies upcoming against Poland and either Wales, well, that would be a shoe-in, wouldn't it, or Austria. We'll get a reaction from John later on. He almost bit there, but not quite. A friend of the show, David Marshall's back in. Ryan Jack returns, but there's no Ryan Fraser, despite his starring role recently for Newcastle. Former Dundee manager James McPeak is on the show tonight. Good to have him with us. How good, James, is Alan Hickey? Yeah, look, he's fantastic. I've seen him a lot when he was a, a young player when I had the, the Dundee under-18s and, and he was head and shoulders above them. Or at that point he was head and shoulders above that that level and then he goes in the first team and like he didn't look out of place I can remember watching him at Celtic Park one day uh, it was maybe one of his first games and he was outstanding so he's went abroad he's done really well and I'm excited to see him back in Scotland and in the Scotland squad It's interesting isn't it he's gone straight from the under 17s into the senior squad because he wasn't named in the under 21s recently um, and it seemed as if he'd knocked back the opportunity to to play with the under-21s. So it's quite interesting to see him um, promoted to the, the senior side, the yeah. squad at least. Yeah, look, it, it's interesting, but also it's you pick your best players and if, if Steve Clark's identified him as one of the, the ones he wants in the squad, then, then just jump them above that. Um, you see the boy Ross Graham, who's 
who I believe is in the under-21s as well. He's played about five or six games for Dundee United and, and they're getting exposure. So now Hickey's out there and if, if he's knocked that back, look, yeah, that doesn't look great for, for a lad. But again, I don't know the full story. Did he maybe have important games over there or not? But look, let's get him in the full squad. Let's see what he's got because he's, he's an exciting young Scottish player. Big games upcoming then for Scotland. It's it's all changed in terms of the of the schedule. It's going to be Poland now. It was due, of course, to be uh, Ukraine uh, next week. Uh, so Scotland are going to play Poland, um, and it's going to be Austria or Wales. The losers, John, of uh, of that other playoff semi final, um, who presumably will be Wales. I'd imagine, wouldn't you? Oh, Rob, you're at it tonight. You know, you got you got to calm this down. You're, you're totally at it. You're trying to get me going, aren't you? But, yeah, but uh, I'm not going to succeed, am I? No, but listen, uh, Wales will put everything into, you know, the playoff. They have to. They can't think of the final. Austria will be um, difficult opponents. You know, they've got some good players on out of it, you know, Sabitza, Alaba. Um, oh, you've been doing your homework, haven't you? Yeah, Phil, yeah, of course you have. I always do my homework, you know that. I know. But, um, you know, it'll be a difficult game against Austria next Thursday in Cardiff. But again, as I said, it's a one-off game, not like the, what they normally have, a two-legged affairs, if you like. So mm. you have to leave it all out there on the night. Uh, make sure you're spot on tactically, defensively. <clears throat> Going forward, it'll be interesting. Gareth Bale's not played for Real Madrid. I think he's played four four times this season. Um, but he has to play. He still has to play because he's... He's just, he's that type of player. You know, he can produce moments of magic. He can go and win you a game on his own, all right? It's not the Gareth Bale of five years ago. Um, Aaron Ramsey's the same. Not played an awful lot of football. All right, he played at the weekend, 70 minutes at Dundee, <laughs> which is good. Good for him. It's good for the world. Good for Rangers. It's good for the national team. So, again, Aaron's the type of player that you have to start him. You have to play him. So, we need the big players to play well on the night, get through, and hopefully then... Um, we will we will have that final then either against you know whether it happens the Ukraine against Scotland has been has been put back until June mm. uh, yet to see you know what will happen in terms of um, the Ukraine you know there's more important stuff at this moment yeah. in time you know yeah. thinking of what's going on there um, so I thought so with everybody there but as I said it's it's a huge game next Thursday and Wales have to concentrate on beating. Austria. That's the only thing they have to do on their minds. Okay, Scotland against Austria. We're going to make it then for the for the losers. No, no, I'm, I'm actually coming around to your way of thinking now, and I'm thinking Austria are going to lose that that semi final, and it will be Scotland against Austria in the second of the two games um, coming up. And uh, Stevie Clark very much echoing what you were saying there, John, uh, in his media conference today. Uh, that there are much bigger issues to consider at the moment uh, than shuffling around some football matches, and it, and it is going to be uh, a big issue for Scotland in terms of working out what's going to happen in June because that window I think was scheduled for four games um, it might be required now to accommodate six games and goodness knows how that's going to happen but we'll deal with it uh, when we get there again uh, reading out a Scotland squad uh, used to be a little bit painful uh, not so very long ago because you, you you were looking at all sorts of holes in the squad and holes in the team not anymore when you when you go through it so here is the squad Craig Gordon and goals uh, Liam Kelly of Motherwell David Marshall is back in having been getting some game time for Queen's Park Rangers uh, Grant Hanley of Norwich uh, Jack Hendry Club Bruges Aaron Hickey is in playing his club football with Bologna in Serie A at the moment and outstandingly so as well Scott McKay 
McKenna of Nottingham Forest, Stephen O'Donnell of Motherwell, Nathan Patterson, despite not getting many games with Everton at the moment, is in. Andy Robertson, the captain, Greg Taylor of Celtic, Kieran Tierney is there, Stuart Armstrong, Lewis Ferguson back in the squad, Billy Gilmore back playing with Norwich at the moment, Ryan Jack outstanding in the last little while for Rangers, John McGinn, Callum McGregor, Kenny McLean, Scott McTominay uh, doing really well in a struggling at times Man United team, uh, Che Adams of Southampton scoring goals for club and country, Jacob Brown is back in, uh, Jacob Brown of Stoke City, uh, Ryan Christie of Bournemouth and uh, Linda Dykes who's got an injury at the moment but um, Stevie Clark hoping that he might be able to feature in one of those games otherwise he'll be replaced. James, it's just when you read through those names what a lot of quality. The names and uh, when, when you look at the clubs that they're, they're playing at mm. I think you were spot on with having Ryan Jack back and I thought he's been excellent for Rangers and, and he was a big miss to them. But again, like, looking through it and it's, it's exciting. Um as a Scotland fan and and looking at not again I keep going back not so much the names but the clubs some of them are playing at yeah. a lot of them are playing in the Premiership in England big clubs a lot of them are playing very good football up here for for their clubs respectively whether that's at the Celtic or, or Rangers or whatever but no it's, it's exciting as a, a Scotland fan and it's it's a game that I'll, I'll probably try and get to myself and, and take my daughters to watch because they're, they're, they're starting to get into it a little bit as well so mm from the Euros so that, that little kickback so no like it's it's a good squad and, and touching going back on what we're talking about how how are they going to deal with it and I'm not not comparing but look we've been going through a pandemic and we've somehow managed to and that's not comparing the pandemic to what's going on in Ukraine and Russia but we've always found a way with football getting around it and hopefully we can do that the same because it's Scotland have done ever so well to get back into another qualifier for a chance to get to a major tournament so let's hope we can get that done but yeah the squad's exciting It's good to have you making your uh, Go Radio studio debut had you on the show a few times before but uh, good to have you with us uh, for the next couple of hours James McPick against John Hartson has that little tussle has that tussle ever ever happened I gather it maybe did once when you were at Livingston It did yeah And do you want to talk about it? Yeah, yeah I, may, I may as well now I'm done now and <laughs> And I've had these conversations with players when, when you're putting them on. I think at the time we were a goal down, maybe. I'd, I'd need to go back and, and research that. And mm. Richard Goff was the manager, but Archie Knox was the one giving the instructions. He says to me, go on and just don't give him a kick. And I'm, I don't know what age I'd have been then, but I'm, I'm looking at John and he was throwing the other centre-backs about. And I'm like, am I not going to give him a kick? <laughs> um, it might have been one nil. I'm sure it was. I'll double-check that. I should have checked it because I've not done my homework the way John has. Um, <laughs> but... I should have checked it, but I come in and come on, come on. He gets his hat trick. It's a famous celebration. I'm sure John remembers. He stands on the boards at Almondville with his two hands up in the air. And did the advertising boards cope okay? <laughs> they were fine. Yeah, it was me that wasn't there. I was battered and bruised. Um, and and humble, humbling for me, um, I asked him for his strip, and he says I'll give you in the in the tunnel. But by the time I get down in the tunnel, I'm thinking I'm never getting that strip and. All of a sudden, there's a knock on the door and says, "Can you give that to number twenty-two? Oh, brilliant! And that was that. And I've I've still got that strip at home. So that was my. That's probably the only good thing that happened that night was I got the strip because other than that, I just get flung about. Do you remember the hat trick, John? I mean, so many goals to remember for you, but do, I can do you remember, remember those three? playing my first game, um, uh, first away game. Uh, sorry, my debut was Kilmarnock away. I came on, and then my uh, I played early in my Celtic career at. Um, at uh, Livingston and uh, we drew nil-nil 
and uh, Marvin Andrews and I, we had a bit of a, you know, a ding dong. Marvin just head on a stick, won everything. Fantastic in the air, great spring. And we got in after the game and Martin told us, you know, one or two of the new signings that um, that one acceptable. We have to win here at Celtic and we have to win at places like Livingston. And um, we quickly learned very early uh, in my Celtic career that it was more required. It was more required from me as a centre forward to get goals. But that was a difficult one because we drew nil-nil. But I then went on to have a decent record against um, against Livingston. I got a hat-trick one night there. And uh, I'm only thinking about the problems they've caused Celtic, you know, with the, with the, with the AstroTurf pitch. Of late, and Celtic were brilliant a couple of Sundays ago there. But uh, you know, like these other smaller grounds, if you like, with smaller crowds, they very they can make it difficult sometimes for the for the bigger teams to go there and get results. Thirteenth of April two thousand and five, it was uh, Livingston nil, Celtic four uh, was how it finished. Uh, John Hartson brought his brief goal drought to a spectacular end with a hat trick to take Celtic back to the top. Of I the got one hundred and ten. What do you mean drought? Well, I, I think, don't think I went to a game without scoring. Well, maybe a game and a half or I was something. I've five years. How many goals do you expect me to get? <laughs> Not at all. Um, <laughs> as you know, I'm one of your biggest fans. Um, Celtic, John's old team, winners last night at Tannadice um, in the Scottish Cup, reaching the last four, reaching, of course, that uh, old firm semi-final was the way it came out, a Glasgow derby and an Edinburgh derby. Uh, 3-0 for Rangers at uh, Dens the day before 3-0 for Celtic at Tanadice last night this was Ange Postacoglu afterwards yeah I thought a good performance yeah, a cup football is always yeah, there's always a bit of an edge to it particularly away from home I thought the atmosphere was great tonight I thought we controlled the game um, yeah, from start to finish uh, scoring at first also helped us I think just to you know sort of settle us down in terms of just controlling the game better not an easy night with the pitch the way it was you know, at times especially in transition we were fighting with the ball a little bit but I know, John, you were trying to keep tabs on the Players' Championship and the golf at the same time, but you did watch uh, Celtic cruising through. Um, not much standing in their way, was there, last night? No, there was. I thought Dundee United were... Um, I thought that they, they had a real go. Um, I thought they were decent up until you know the edge of Celtic's box and they just didn't have a cutting edge. Um, I thought they worked the ball really well at times, got some really... You know, uh, exciting players wide and in the middle of the park. And I thought that times, here we go, they hit Celtic on the counter, but then just nothing, very little in terms of efforts on goal. Um, and and then Celtic gradually got into the game, kept possession. As Anne said last night, it wasn't it wasn't an easy pitch to play on. But I thought Callum McGregor just controlled the, the pace of the game. And they've got these threats. They've got these threats going forward. Celtic, Jakamakis, um, you know, uh, O'Reilly again was excellent. At who's, the who's in the Danish under-21 squad as of today, Matt O'Reilly. Brilliant. Great, yeah. great for him on a personal level. Uh, but again, I thought over the two games, I thought Rangers as well at Dundee, I thought they made it very easy. Mm. I thought that was very comfortable for them. And again, last night, a really comfortable evening, really. Um but Dun- uh, Dundee United are where they are because they defend pretty well. Um, but they—they in terms of scoring goals, that's where they come up a little bit short. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, I can almost understand Dundee's predicament a bit more than I can United because Dundee have got a, you know, they're they're up against it, James. They're under they're in a real pressure situation in terms of trying to survive, as you well know. Uh, Dundee United, the worst that's going to happen for them this season is they're going to finish mid-table. Was that not a game for them last night that they could have had a go at it? Yeah, and I think 
the fans believed that as well. As you say, they t- they took one of the stands away from Celtic because they they believed they would sell out as much as they could, and and there was a to be fair to them, there was a good home support for Dundee United. But again, I think they'll be kicking themselves to lose a goal. Yeah, as the second phase from a set player, third phase. It's but they worked twelve minutes into the game, and we do that against this Celtic team. They're relentless. Like they're so, and I think with John's John was spot on. Like, when when they do get the ball back, they're so good at getting at you, and they're so so aggressive. And I I was talking about aggression the other way when John played against me, but this Celtic team are different. They're aggressive, and when they're attacking you, one v ones, they get at you. They don't, they, and then when you give you when you take or you don't take enough care of that ball, they're so aggressive at going and getting the ball back. And and having came up against them twice this season, and and watching them close. And when you need players that can keep the ball, and, and that's what I felt Dundee United let themselves down last night because they do have players. Dylan Levitt's one in particular who I really like. Um, mm-hmm. that, that that's fantastic, and they just didn't get enough passes. And, and when you do come up, up against, particularly this Celtic team, you need to keep the ball. Otherwise, you're going to be tired because they work at a. That's what they've got them doing. They run you, and they, and they keep going, and they keep going. They are relentless. And having watched that, and having spoken to people in there in the way. That, that Ange conducts his training or his staff do the training like they, they just go for you and, and they try and finish games off as quickly as they can it took them a wee bit longer last night but look, let's be honest they were in cruise control in my opinion for, for a while in that game but on Dundee United's half or behalf the way they conceded particularly that, that first goal from a set play which I think Celtic aren't the biggest, um, so that would be one of the ones where United are are pretty big. And then, and then the second goal is just you know, I mean, it's a collector's item really because Seagreest is generally so solid. He's a very good goalkeeper, and that's uncharacteristic from him. Look, he is, but again, it's it's asking questions. It's it's a cross going into the box, and, and John will tell you you've got to be in those areas like, and expect the goalkeeper to do that. Like, now, a few times like that could have happened, and you see the goal at Hearts the other day when Alnwick saves it and. There's eight St Mirren players in the box and it's Beningame who runs from 12 yards out to he's got more desire but the other night it was just Jack has being or last night sorry it was Jack has being in that right area mm-hmm. and then he gets his second goal for being that as well and John will be able to tell you better than that than me that that's that, that's not a that's not luck that, that's down to just being a good striker in the right place but let's see Grist will be disappointed because he's a, he has a very good goalkeeper is he beginning to be the player that Celtic reckoned they'd signed? Because obviously he looked as if he lacked fitness, John, when he when he first mm. came in. Sharpness. Uh, it's taken him a while to to fit in to to understand what playing for an Antipostokoglu team is is all about. Yeah. That's um, that's nine goals now. It is nine goals, and he gives Celtic a different option, a different way of playing. Um, you could he can almost you know played into him, and you can get runners. You know, running off him, if you like, uh, the likes of, um, you know, O'Reilly and McGregor, and I think he's, he's his link play has got better uh, when, since when he first arrived. He's getting goals, and ultimately, that's that's what you're going to be judged on. I think that's was it. Did he say ten goals in twenty one games or something? Yakimakis. Yeah, he's nine now, but but that's six in the last six. That's right, and he's he's winning games for for Celtic now as a centre forward. This is what you need to do. But when you've got McGregor and 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 James Forrest, you know, and Jota, these guys. It was the same for me. I I had Alan Thompson and 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 the likes of Stan Petrov sliding me in there. If you're not mm. scoring twenty goals plus for Celtic or Rangers during a season, you're not doing your job right. 
because they create so many opportunities for you. And 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 James is spot on. I think when Celtic go one nil up, and all of a sudden then the opposition have to come out. They have to come out and have a go. And and that's when Celtic are at the more dangerous because they'll break. They get the overlaps with Greg Taylor last night. You know that overlap. He bombs forward. Juranovic on the other side and the. They they come inside and they make it very very difficult and I think Starfelt uh, as well has, has has come on to a game although they do look as if they've got some frailties still at the back mm-hmm. um, so I could go through the team uh, I, I thought it was a really comfortable win Dundee United had spells but as I said up until up until the edge of the Celtic eighteen yard box um, they were they were decent but they didn't really test your heart all night. What are you thinking about these upcoming Old Firm games? Uh, two already coming up, uh, one still to come. Dates uh, still to be sorted out for a couple of the three. They could all be next month, uh, theoretically, and they'll go a long way to deciding uh, whether it's Rangers or Celtic who carry the bragging rights right at the end of the season. Is it going to be uh, a double or even a treble for Rangers, bearing in mind they've uh, got one foot in the European quarterfinals, the Europa League quarterfinals? Is it going to be a domestic treble for Celtic we've already got the League Cup locked away uh, two games away from winning the Scottish Cup and eight to go in the Premiership three points in front uh, join the football chat 0808 17 17 700 The Go Radio Football Show with the taxicentre.com. your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you Let's go The Go Radio Football Show on a Tuesday with the Taxi Centre with former Dundee manager James, James McPake is with us tonight John Hartson Rob McLean as well your calls as well 0808 17 17 700 looking back on uh, Celtic cruising to the Scottish Cup semi-finals last night at Tannadice, just as Rangers had done at Dens uh, the day before. The other two were considerably tighter. Uh, it's going to be an Edinburgh derby and a Glasgow derby to decide who will get together in the Scottish Cup final. Three points between the top two in the Premiership, eight games to go. Uh, Celtic have got a maximum of ten games left this season. Uh, three of them will be old firm games um, and they will go a long way to deciding um, who's going to win what by the time we're finished Celtic with League Cup locked away Rangers of course still very active in Europe looking to put the finishing touches uh, to their last 16 uh, performance against Red Star Belgrade on Thursday night 3-0 up from the first game and uh, looking to make it to the quarterfinals and uh, that will be as far as Rangers have been in Europe since uh, they got to the UEFA Cup final so James McPake John Hartson Rob McLean and Craig in Cumbernauld hi Craig hi uh, <coughs> Rob James John how you doing hi Craig good thank you how are you I not too bad not too bad I'm excited for next month I mm-hmm. think we've got a, a, a brilliant month of football um, in store I think you know, there'll be at least two old firm games, which, you know, both massive games, in my opinion, because, to be honest with you, I feel like looking at, especially the, you know, Hearts and Hibs in the Cup and the kind of their own inconsistencies recently, I genuinely think right now we are the only team standing between Celtic and getting a, a treble at this stage because if they get past us in the semi final mm. and into the final, I just I wouldn't. I couldn't see Hibs or Hearts beating them, especially with the record they've got at hand. And, and it's the same with the league. You know, that's going to quite possibly come down to the the old firm games as well, unless somebody has an unexpected slip up somewhere. But I don't see it. So 
it's uh, <clears throat> very exciting. It's very nerve wracking, I must say, as a as a fan, because ideally for me, Dundee United would have would have put Celtic out yesterday, and we would have got them or something in the semi. Mm. Um, but no, you know, listen, you look forward to these occasions because it, it was a huge chance for us. I think if we could beat Celtic in that semi final, end the run of wins at Hamden. Um, and get into that final, you know, knowing it's been that long since we've been in the semi and that long since we've won a cup, I think it would be a very good statement of intent to to do that. Do you agree with that, John? That that, that that's the semi final is the game that maybe stands between Celtic and the treble. I actually don't, Craig. I, I think the the final will be a tough game against you know Hibs or Hearts. I remember Hearts Celtic um, went on when they won the when Lenny was named as manager. Uh, Hearts were 1-0 up. They give a stupid uh, penalty away, um, which cost Hearts on the day. Celtic won and scored the pen, then went on to win 2-1. Edward went through and got the winner. Um, I think they're fine margins. I, I would be giving Hibs and Hearts, no disrespect, Craig, but look what Hibs did to you in the League Cup in the semi-final. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, mate, that, that can happen to Celtic as well. You know, I don't think you can underestimate Hearts and Hibs in the final. The the big game, obviously, is getting to the final. Um, and of course, with the budgets and top of the league and the players and the standard, of course, Rangers or Celtic will start huge favourites in the final. But I don't think you can overlook Hibs or Hearts. A final can go either way. Um, but from a Rangers point of view, Craig, I think you're doing magnificent in Europe. I fancy you to go through to the last eight. You know, you're, you're, you'll be firm favourites to go to... Um, uh, to go out to um, uh, Belgrade, Red Star Belgrade on Thursday night, uh, and of course, you know, you find yourself this season just chasing a little bit, but it's in your own hands. Mm. You know, it's in your own hands, Craig. If you can beat Celtic when you you play at on April the third at Ibrox, yep. and then there's one more game, it's in both teams' hands. That's what's really yeah. good sometimes about having to play Rangers so many times. If you're chasing and you're a few points behind. It's up to Rangers. If they beat Celtic twice, they'll probably go on and win the league. Mm. And you could say the same for Celtic. It's actually in your own hands. You can win it and you can lose it. It's actually down to you how you perform, not just in them games, Celtic and Rangers games, but I think there still might be one or two twists in terms of dropping points elsewhere. Yeah. I'm interested to know what James thinks here because obviously you've come up head-to-head uh, with both Rangers and Celtic this season when you were a manager of Dundee. How, how do you differentiate between the top two? Well, first and foremost, I'll go back to I agree with John on on that, and it's not having a go back at Craig there. But you look at the the Celtic Cubs final uh, for the League Cup, which is very close. Mm, was, and then Hearts, I think, and the way Robbie's got them going, and Hearts beat Celtic at Tynecastle earlier in the season. They got a draw at Ibrox. Now, they both teams, whoever it is, whoever's in the final, will be full house, and they'll fancy it. I believe it's the first time these four clubs have been yeah for uh, for a long time yeah and uh, I think ever I, I think it? it is ever yeah is it yeah, yeah the ever? first time yeah. ever yeah right. so look it's massive and and for it to come out that way but I believe even Robbie's Hearts team could go there and and cause any of those Celtic or Rangers teams a problem of course whoever out of Celtic or Rangers on the final will be will be the favourites but again that carries a wee bit of weight and if it's a treble that's on it or if it's mm. Rangers try to win the cup for the first time in 13 or 14 years that, that adds pressure as well So The takes, expectation builds up game by game it doesn't does. it when, yeah. when you're coming as you say when you're coming to the brink of maybe a major success and for Celtic obviously it would be it could be a, a fifth treble in, in six seasons which would be just 
unheard of. But I think that's what John's getting at as well, where you get to this point of the season and there will be another couple of twists mm. because the pressure is that that much that every game is so so vital that you can't afford to slip up because they do know they have to play each other twice again this season and to talk about to differentiate both both teams from managing against them we, the first time we went into Celtic Park we thought Ange was just in and it hadn't quite clicked Kyogo made his debut and they beat a 6-0 so I don't remember that one very well <laughs> um, and I uh, it, but they were great that day and then you, you could see something was building something was happening we, um, and Rangers came under Steven Gerrard and, and we had to change like, give them all the respect that they were due they were the champions we had to change and I believe that day we were very unlucky uh, Jason Cummins missed a penalty we had double the shots on target than, than Rangers in that day but look they won the game so fine then uh, the, other, the, the game when Celtic came to Dens it, it killed us again they, they scored a an early goal and when they do that then they get another one and they're relentless like we spoke about they do that you have no chance we get back into the game well you think you're back in the game they come out they start the second half that's one thing I notice about Celtic they're very aggressive at the start of both halves and then they're, they're ultra aggressive after they get a goal it's as if right as soon as we get a goal we need to go and get another goal when Giovanni Van Bronckhurst when we took we went into Ibrox they, they were different to Rangers that day he changes it about Rangers, you know, were 4-3-3. As soon as it was going wide, it was the full-backs that were high, it was coming in the box. He plays slightly different. And that day, they cruised past us. Like They were very comfortable in that game and, and they were excellent. It was 3-0, I believe, that day. And he, he played it different. And then watching it on Sunday, he had Glenn Kamara playing in a much higher up the pitch. And, and for the fancy words, he had the number 10. That, that That's where he had Glenn Kamara playing mm-hmm. with the, the 2-8s behind them or whatever. But, so he's he's noticed something in Glenn that he wants to do that, and it's that's intriguing as well. Having worked with Glenn Kamara, because he's he's a much better player. That's not taking any away from him, but Glenn can score goals as well. I know he's not scored many, but he's good at the top end of the pitch. But for me, to pick a team that if you want to play against, it would be you know, the two of them will beat us. But Celtic have been the ones that that we really struggled against this season. Yeah, and do you take Craig? Do you take John's point about? It's still in Rangers' hands. I mean, you, you know, you're you're fate. You know, you're responsible for your own fate at the moment because of the games you you've you've come up got coming up. Oh, listen, we are definitely um, still in, in, in control of our own fate. Um, of course, it's difficult for us because you know, as fantastic as the European run has been, and it's you know, a absolutely phenomenal European run we're on. It could cost us because this. Thursday, Sunday, we've seen it, you know, recent weeks where we've went into games and had that sort of, we've not got the result off the back of European football. We did, um, you know, there on Sunday, which, you know, was was good to have a a nice, comfortable afternoon um, after Europe because we've not had many of them. So that does play in it because I remember, you know, 2008, we had a pretty healthy points gap over Celtic and um, it very, very quickly changed and we ended up losing the league that season in part because the squad was stretched so thin having to play Thursday, Sunday every you know every other week or every week. So well, it's in our control and I do believe that we can beat Celtic twice but of course Celtic would only need to beat us once in terms of the league games because even if we beat them at Ibrox if they stay unbeaten and then beat us at Celtic Park that would negate that one at Ibrox anyway. So it's, you know, it is... 
swings and roundabouts. I just think Celtic are 30 games domestically unbeaten now. And in that period of time, to be frankly honest with you, not many teams have got even looking close to beating Celtic in that time. You know, maybe you could argue Hibs, if they could have found a goal in that game, could have nicked it. You know, Dundee United, very close to getting a point off them. But other than those kind of games, they've looked fairly comfortable and nobody's looked like they're troubling them. Um, but that's where we come into it and, and, and need to do it. And I just want to very quickly say, actually, to, to James there, I, just, I think you should still be the Dundee manager, by the way. I think it was really, really, really harsh and quite ridiculous that you lost your job because I think you really should have still been there, especially off the back of the two fantastic ones you had got. So um, I hope to see you back in somewhere soon, James. No, I appreciate that, Craig. I really do. Thanks for that. And just, just while you're on, one that... I'll come back to you now since you've spoke to me how key is Alfredo Morelos and if Rangers do lose him does that well we've seen what's happened with Kyogo and Celtic have players that, that can step up and, and score goals and, and step in do Rangers have that? Um, not to the same vein I think what Morelos does that the others don't do is he doesn't wait for the game to come to him he makes things happen so if He's not getting the service. He creates it for himself. Um, I think the likes of Roof, as much as a good goal scorer, uh, even Takala or Eaton, they don't do that as much. So Morelos is key. And I think with Morelos and our team, you know, I know how good some of Celtic's forwards have been. I know how good Furuhashi is. But I do think right now that he is the best striker in, 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 in the country um, when, he's, when he's on form. So... He's, he's huge for us and you know that's where you're hoping maybe European nights he doesn't pick up a knock or something and we can keep him going because he's I think without him we struggle and we saw that earlier when we were missing him um, when he went to Colombia you know that was particularly you know, the Celtic game I'm not saying it would have changed anything but you know that period of time we were on a right poor run of games and we could have been doing with when Morello was there so it's he's for me the key man yeah, I agree, I agree completely with that and for the, the title race for the Cup, uh, I hope he stays fit because it's interesting for Scottish football having the the squad as healthy as possible and it'll, it'll be more entertaining if we can keep it that way. And he just looks a happier guy I think these days, doesn't he? He looks more content at his work than he than he did uh, previously. He seems to be much more part of it. Yeah, he does and it all, we always had that and not giving away any secrets but we always thought like, you could try and wind him up you could but see now it, it doesn't seem that way yeah. um, even watching him like he, the way he's walking about now he's not moaning to referees no. as much now he, play, he plays on the edge and, and we would never want to take that away that's why he's such a good player and look his record's fantastic don't get me wrong And but, but we did identify that again it's not giving secrets away if John was the manager if, if you were the manager and you're coming up against someone you know is a you can you, that's a threat one you can try and bait him aren't you of course you are and we've done that and, and he reacts but it's now as if he's come in and he's a lot calmer he's settled whatever he's doing but he's look, he's a fantastic striker and, and he has a real danger and I think recently he's, he's looked superb and the other nights or the European games he's, he's fantastic to watch it's day nights and the big games that he seems to mm. really come up in, and that's why I hope he does stay fit just for, just for the, the remainder of this season because it's going to be really interesting. 
Hope your nerves are going to stand the strain, Craig, as well, in the coming weeks and months. So many big games um, upcoming. Thanks for your call. Cheers, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Cheers, lad. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com. Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go. Talking football between five and seven, that's what we do. And uh, feel free to join in on 0808 17 17 700, just as Craig did moments ago. Um, feeling a little bit nervous about what's to come, and there'll be a lot of it about uh, in the next couple of months as uh, Celtic look to build on their League Cup triumph uh, and maybe complete a domestic treble. Uh, Rangers still alive in three different competitions, including the Europa League, and of course, second leg against Red Star Belgrade is uh, Thursday night in Serbia. Uh, Stevie Clark named a Scotland squad today. Uh, not what he, he thought he was going to be up against uh, a couple of months ago, but uh, all things have uh, changed pretty dramatically. And uh, football very much put in perspective. Football is obviously secondary to the, the situation in, in Ukraine. Uh, all our thoughts are with the, the Ukrainian people at this moment in time and, and hope. Hopefully we can get a quick resolution to the, the terrible situation there. I mean, I'm sure you've all looked at the, the images coming out of Ukraine. It's, it's, it's quite horrendous, so football certainly takes a back seat. Obviously, lots of discussions going on, uh, of which is most of it's above my head. Uh, all I can tell you is there's plenty of negotiations going on. There's, there's trying to look at all different kinds of scenarios. The, the biggest thing for me is that I hope and pray that we can play Ukraine in June. That, that's, the, that's the most important thing. If we can do that, then it means the situation is, is a lot better for everybody. Scotland, of course, will now play Poland um, in that, on that date uh, next Thursday that we were due to play against uh, Ukraine. It's difficult because for the last four months I've been thinking about Ukraine, uh, Wales and Austria. And obviously Poland have come onto the scene late. What I'm going to use this camp for, and it's, it's why I pick the, the same players, the nucleus of the players, I have to use this as a preparation for for potentially a playoff semi-final and final in, in June. Four Nations League games are also scheduled in. But I have to say that there's no way that we can play six games. So we need a little bit of help from, from UEFA on that, on that matter. But this camp is, is for us just to... Fine-tune, look at what we did at the end end of last year when we went six matches, six winning games. Difficult to do. We want to continue that momentum. So I'll use it as a chance to look at one or two things for what we might do in June. So that, that game again at Hamden against Poland will be, uh, be uh, it's going to be £10 from each ticket basically sold uh, going to UNICEF's response in Ukraine uh, following the Russian invasion. So it's a chance to go along at a great time for uh, the Scotland football team uh, support uh, Scotland against Lewandowski in Poland um, and do some good, do some fundraising at the same time. The initiative from the the Scottish FA and, and the Polish FA is fantastic, obviously with the backing of UEFA to, to put on the match. Uh, UNICEF are involved, which will mean that the, the money will go to the, the right people. When you watch the images coming out of the children being displaced and, and injured in the war, it's, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great effort for, for everybody to get this game on at quite short notice. Uh, and obviously we're hoping for a full house here at Hamden because the more people that come, the, the more money we'll raise for for the, the people that need need support at this moment in time. 
He always strikes the right note, Stevie Clark, doesn't he? Getting everything in, in its rightful place, John, when yeah. he's talking about these games upcoming. We'll, we'll hear him a bit later on about the fixture backlog. And uh, as James said earlier on, you know, it's, good, it's going to be really difficult. But hey, at the moment, uh, there are bigger things in the world to, to worry about. He's absolutely spot on, is Steve, class, uh, Steve Clark. It's a, it's a class act. He's a class act of a man. Um, he's wanting a full house, of course, because then they can generate a lot more funds to give to the uh, to the Ukraine, uh, the conflict that's going on there right now. Um, and obviously, he said that he would love to play the Ukraine in June. Um, personally, I still think that might be a long shot because it's only uh, two or three months away and uh, you don't quite know mentally how, when, or if this is going to end soon. But I can totally understand Steve Clark's point in terms of that would be a magnificent scenario if the Ukraine national team could get themselves in a place to go and play in that um, in, in the semi-final, if you like, against mm. Scotland. So he says it exceptionally well. He, he's, a, he's a great thinker of the game and uh, he's a very, very humble man as well, Steve Clark. And uh, not great words from, from the national manager there. You'll be used to dealing with uncertainties as a football manager, James, about what might be around the corner in all sorts of ways. And uh, he hasn't a clue, like we don't, how these games are going to be put together in June. There's Nation League, Nations League games um, and the, the playoff semi-final, if it can happen, to be rearranged. So goodness knows how that's all going to actually come off. But right at the moment, he's got to concentrate on this training camp uh, and these two games. He hasn't had the squad together for four months. Um, so he, he's this. This is all about preparing for for June and using the time as best he can. Yeah, but again, the thing that strikes the most is the way he comes out and and how what and he's honest. What what he's really thinking about is the people in Ukraine yeah. first and foremost. But on the back of that, he's a very successful football manager. Um, he's had a fantastic career, and he's he he'll, he'll be doing all he can to get that squad ready for for whatever's coming. Ahead, whether it is June, I, I agree with John. I think June is a bit. We're being a bit hopeful if we think if we believe we're going to get that game to go ahead in June. I love it to happen because it would then mean that it's a it's a better world we're living in mm. come then. But he'll he'll be professional. He's got a, a good staff around about him. We spoke about the the squad earlier, and he has to use it because at, at any point then games can go ahead and. and Talking about the schedule, they, they do need to use common sense when it comes to that as well. Like we've seen that earlier, and well, the the situation that, again, I'm I have to I have to bring this up. I'm not relating it in any sort of way to to the COVID situation because it, yeah, one both of them are terrible in different ways. But does that happening help football managers? I don't know because I went through a season and a half probably when. We had no, or when COVID was really bad, when we were in lockdown, and you couldn't go. Normally, I could phone up a a manager or a ex player or someone and ask them for advice. That's the only time, and and I've heard other managers saying it. You were you were working day to day, not knowing what's going on, and and I believe for different circumstances and more, can I say more serious, but just different reasons. This is the same for Steve Clark. And and that's what he's having to deal with just now. But he's, as John says, he's a class act and he'll find a way to deal with it professionally. Interesting to uh, look at the squad today. Aaron Hickey, if you've uh, if you've just joined us on the show and you didn't catch it earlier on, Aaron Hickey called up to the senior squad for the the first time. But no Ryan Fraser, despite his recent form for Newcastle. I had a chat with Ryan. Uh, obviously, 
there was a situation in November where, where Ryan didn't come with the squad but trained with his club. Uh, Ryan has apologised for that situation. Uh, I had a good chat with him. I decided not to pick him in this camp uh, and we've agreed that Ryan's club form going forward will determine whether he's, he's involved in the next camps, uh, the next camps coming up. So basically it's down to Ryan and how he plays for his club. Does that sound like he's on the naughty step, John, at the moment, getting effectively a, a, a punishment for having called off a Scotland squad, then trained with Newcastle? Because if it was if it was down to pure form at the moment, the way he's been going for Newcastle, he would surely be in that group. Well, he's left the door open, hasn't he, Steve Clark? Yeah, he, he hasn't closed the door. Um, he's basically said, "Look, go away. Think about what you said. Um, you'll be judged now on your performances." It's almost. Uh, he's not quite ready to bring him in right away, but the door is still open. So I think Ryan Fraser now will go away, get his head down, and I would potentially see him involved in, in, in other groups going forward for Scotland. James mentioned Ryan Jack earlier on. This was Stevie Clark uh, talking about the return of the Rangers midfielder. Delighted. Ryan was a, an integral part of the, the squad that qualified for Euro 2020. Uh, unfortunately picked up a really serious injury that required surgery and took a long time for Ryan to come back. It's been great to see him back on the pitch and, like you say, back at a really good level. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see Jacko again. I mean, Scotland have got actually an embarrassment of riches in that midfield area now. It's when you look at that squad, James, that you, you start to think, well, um, Jack and McGregor, because of the football we watch week in, week out, we see both of them in majestic form at the moment and you would think, yeah, but then uh, Billy Gilmore has been fantastic for, for Scotland. Uh, you want to get, you're going to have John McGinn in your midfield somewhere. You're going to want to have potentially Scott McTominay in the midfield unless he's playing uh, right of the back three, as sometimes happens. So, um, there are, I mean, it's, it's a lovely problem to have. Yeah, and the ones we've missed out there, Stuart Armstrong, um, Kenny McLean, both down down south playing really well Lewis Ferguson up here who I think is a fantastic young player mm-hmm. but let's enjoy this rather than as you spoke about or alluded to earlier we've, there have been times when the squads have been coming out and hands have been going over the eyes and been <laughs> going with no chance here or whatever but yeah. let's enjoy this sitting looking at it I agree with you um, on form on what we see watching the Scottish game week in week out Ryan Jack when he's at his best Callum McGregor when he's at his best then yeah we, we would all automatically pick him then you throw in John McGinn he's doing it week in week out in the Premier League in England arguably one of the best if not the best league in the world so no look it's for me it's great um, watching it and it'll be good to see I like the way he handled that interview as well um, Steve Clark and with the Ryan Fraser one it's just it's, is it maybe a little warning to the rest of them as well look don't be doing that yeah uh, and I don't care And would he have done it to one of the bigger ones I think he would have I, I think he's got that about him to to just come out and if it was the big, big game where it was a, the final to get to the tournament, the circumstances might change now. But he's, as John says, he's left the door open. There's a friendly coming up with, with the potential. We don't know what's going ahead after that. But he's, he's. I think he's left a wee marker there for everyone to say, look, you, if you're fit, you're selected, you turn up here or you face the consequences of what, of what follows. Yeah, it does run very much like a club side uh, when Scotland get together. Uh, there is that terrific feel-good factor in the camp, uh, but also discipline comes into it as well. And uh, Stevie Clark, maybe just reminding everyone who is boss ahead of these games coming up against Poland uh, and Aust- Austria or Wales as uh, Scotland uh, continue their build-up. And it's going to be a long build-up by the time the game comes around. 
to those playoffs and the chance to reach the World Cup. News at six on the way, plus another hour of football chat. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK with taxi trade exclusive discounts flexible finance options and no hidden fees they even throw in registration and 12 months road tax so if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi where would you go? thetaxicentre.com trade only The Go Radio Football Show with The Taxi Centre visit their showroom in Darnley, Glasgow to test drive your new taxi Let's go! And now we know the Scottish Cup semi-final lineup as of last night Celtic Cruise at Tannadice 3-0 against Dundee United and it will be uh, Rangers against Celtic in one of the semis Hearts against Hibs in the other one playing for a place at Hamden uh, for the showpiece occasion that ends the club season uh, Celtic as I was saying maximum 10 games to go and uh, they're still homing in on what could be a domestic treble for them it would be five in six seasons uh, Ross County at home on Saturday uh, for them after the international break it is Rangers at Ibrox St Johnston at home the following Saturday and then Rangers at home 16th of April those are the scheduled games for Celtic at the moment on the back of what they did at Tannadice last night it was all pretty much plain sailing for them and uh, they are uh, heading still on course for a treble. And Ange Postacoglu likes a little one-liner as well. At the start, it was all trouble. Now it's trouble, is it? Um, <laughs> that's, that's a terrible. <laughs> Look, the important thing is, like I said, that you know we're still in the competition, and at this point of the year, we're, we're, in a, we're giving ourselves an opportunity to have more success. And that's the expectation. You know, I, I said, well, you know, repeated in saying that it's expectations on me and everyone involved in the football club, the players. You know, we need to embrace that. You can't. You know, just because we've won a trophy already means we can sort of say that it's been a good season. Um, we want to try and win every competition we're in and, and give ourselves a chance to do that. So um, particularly you know, at this end of the season. Though. We've got former Dundee manager James McPick with us tonight. What have you been, ex- what have you been your experiences, James, of uh, Ange Postacoglu this season? Well, other than he's, he's taken six points from, <laughs> from my time at Dundee when I was a manager, he's been... It's actually been a humbling experience on my behalf. Uh, he's been fantastic. Um, I think he's got real time, and I, I don't think it's fake. That he, it came out the other week, and at the time, after the first game, yeah, he came up to me and just says, well done on the promotion at such a young age, and, and you'll always have that. And I'm thinking someone's told him that. He's no idea who I am uh, after they had beat us at Celtic Park. But still, you go away from that. And, and as I said earlier in the show, he was getting it going then, and that's that was probably one of their first games or the second game where they looked the Ange ball. They all talk about where they were playing great and playing that that quick slick way. But after the game at Dens, we had a, a chat for maybe half an hour, and he was great and just coming up and basically showing an interest. Uh, I don't think people stick together enough, if I'm honest. And and there's a, but that's not taking away. There's a lot of good ones and particularly since I've lost my job um, that, that, that do speak to you ex-managers and managers you've faced and managers you fell out with um, at certain points over the last couple of seasons and 
and it was good. But Andrew was he he was fantastic, and and just even when I was in the job, like the stuff like just saying how what do you do in your training week, and now he's a manager of Celtic. No disrespect to Dundee, <coughs> Celtic are away up here, and as are Rangers in in this country, like but the both of them. But for him to show show an interest, to ask what we were doing in our working week, and obviously we had Lee Griffiths at the time, so he was asking about Lee as well, and, and how he was doing, but. Just what are your days off? <coughs> what are your plans over the international break, etc.? Um, make sure you have a couple of days off, take time to yourself. So I thought, no, you know what, he didn't need to do that. Um, he didn't owe me anything, but that, that meant a hell of a lot to me. And then I heard him do the interview the other week and he says it. Well, <coughs> it's something that gives me comfort that he comes out and says, like, you've got to be proud of your achievements, um, getting promoted so young and, and stuff like that. So he's still talking about it and. And yeah, look, it's great, and and I do believe as managers, coaches, even when you're players, like we don't stick together enough. And, and I think the more that we can do or be like that, then the better for for Scottish football. Derek McInnes was was very positive and helpful to you as well, wasn't he? In your time of need, yeah, Derek was excellent. Derek and Tony Dockery, um, obviously, they Doc Doc wasn't in a job and lives in Brody Ferry at the time. They'd left Aberdeen, so. I'd bumped into him a few times and, and spoke to him and, and the relationship probably came from Dave Mackay who was my assistant and Derek obviously signed him for, for St Johnston so they had a good relationship but soon probably maybe two weeks and Derek will not mind me talking about this I know that um, maybe a week after the sack and he left it and then he called me and just said get up um, and get out of the house what you up? why are you sitting in and with your head in your hands get up face people um, go over the embarrassment and stuff like that and because that, that, that was the overriding feeling. I'm not, I'll sit here and be honest, that's what it was. And you lose your job, you're, you're embarrassed. But then you take the time, you reflect. Uh, did I leave Dundee in a better place than when I went in? Absolutely. And and that, I'll back that. Um, the group now, looking where we are or where they are just now, then people will argue that. And that's what's great about football, because you can put that argument out there. But to get out of that championship is not easy. We manage that as a group, not just me, but as a group, we managed to get out of that. And that's what Derek kept saying. Look back on the achievement. Look, look back on the young players that have made their debuts. Max Anderson. And for one, I'll, I'll jump in on this one. Talk about a senior squad. That for I can't get my head around why he's not in the, the Scotland Under 21 squad. Yeah. He's made almost 60 appearances. He's played almost every game in the Premiership uh, this, this season. And he's been, people will throw the argument back, well, Dundee are bottom of the league. But Max Anderson's been one of the reasons that they're still in, within touching distance. Eh? not been rooted in, in a way because he's been so consistent at 20 years old so that for me that's the rant over with that one but no, the time there I believe myself my staff the players we've done a decent job to get out of that league and we still had a fighting chance in the Premiership we were second bottom when when I lost my job and another couple Martin Hartley lost his job Dave's still there at the minute um, and we were second bottom but well, we got to the quarter final of the, of the League Cup. We were still in the Scottish Cup in the quarter final for second time in ten years. The last time was eight years ago under Paul Hartley. So look, there's a lot there now. At the time, I was devastating. I thought I've done a rubbish job here and I've walked out. But you look at it, and you reflect on it. The debuts we've gave the kids. I've seen a 16 year old run a derby in Finlay Robertson down at at Tannadice playing alongside some great players and Graham Dorans. And I've seen Max Anderson playing inside Charlie Adam. Experience for them, great. That's what they can teach them, and I've come out at a better 
person and hopefully if I go back into a management then I'll go in a better manager. Does it help when you get the support of people who say this should never have happened, this was wrong, this was a bizarre decision? I mean, we'd Craig, uh, one of the callers in the first hour of the show, saying couldn't understand it. And, um, you know, you'd, you'd won at Tencastle, you'd reached the Scottish Cup quarterfinals, you'd lost one of your last half dozen games. It, it just wasn't, it just didn't seem like the right time. If there was going to be a time to sack you, it wasn't then. And, and you look at what's happened since and, Obviously, we're now talking with the benefit of hindsight and looking back on six games of Mark McGee. Um, I mean, I was looking at some some stats here that that tell me that uh, Dundee have had eight shots on target in those in those six games. So, um, but you know, you're I know, I know you're not taking any pleasure, quite the opposite, in, in what's happening at the moment. But you you must reflect on, on what happened and 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 still think why or have you do you move on from there? I think you've got to move on. Um, of course, I've got opinions on it. I've got th- thoughts on it that I'll, I'll keep to myself because I've got a huge respect for that football club. I was eight years there and that's a long time at a football club. I was a player, a captain, a youth coach, uh, the first team manager, we got the promotion. So I've got a lot of friends there, a lot of people that I, I know that are still there and I'm hurting that they're bought me the league and, and that's not. I'm not coming on here looking for people who like, don't care or that there'll be people with opinion that I've done a poor job there'll be other people with opinion that the job I've done was okay mm-hmm. the people with opinion that the job I've done was good but that's football again it's about opinions we got them the objective when we got the job was to get out of that league we've done it now we're faced with a hard championship both years Dundee United were in it and I think they'd been in it for the three years previous as well a much bigger budget budgets don't win your leagues and I keep going back to that but when it's considerably bigger um, then it gives you half a chance and then Hearts come down and they totally romped the league last last season but we we got up through the playoffs when everyone had written us off against the Kilmarnock team who had a, a proven international striker and were, were very unlucky in my opinion to find themselves in the playoffs because that went right to the wire as well so and over over the piece in those two games well, we won them pretty comfortably I don't think anybody will argue with that so I don't know if I take any any comfort from hearing that people are saying I shouldn't have lost my job and I should still be the manager. In a, in a way, it makes it worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, the comfort I take is from the likes of Derek McInnes. Fellow professionals. Yeah, and, and going back, someone John knows very well as well, like Chris Coleman calling you up and saying, like, get, just get your head above the water, uh, get yourself back out there, just go and speak to people, go and, go and do things, because I'll be honest, I just wanted to stay in the house. And... I've realised in the three weeks or however long it's been it might be four now I don't know but um, I've realised I've got three daughters as well that I've probably not so much neglected because that's the wrong way of putting it but when you, you get into that job and people will say you can never work too hard I believe I went in there and put too much into the job and that had an adverse effect on, on my life probably and I've got a two and a half year old who I've hardly seen I was maybe staying five days a week up and brought a ferry and my wife was having to look after the kids on her own which that was tough and then you lose a game you come in you don't talk to anyone you win a game and you come in and you're thinking right what are we going to do next week it's, it's more a relief whereas when you're a player you lose a game you come in aye you don't talk to anyone the same but you win a game you come in you're ecstatic so those were the wee differences and, and I was young I was inexperienced but I'm now at 37 over 100 manager or over 100 games as a manager I've got to take a bit of pride in that and, and take that into my next job and 
and be better for that and have a better balance. That that's that's one of the things I certainly believe that I need to do. You lost your job, but you got your life back in a, in a sense. You're, I know you're going to have some knee surgery um, and then maybe uh, a fresh start in the, the summer. Good to have you on the show. James McPake, former Dundee manager. Uh, on the day, of course, that uh, Scotland named their squad uh, for those upcoming internationals against Poland and uh, the losers of that Austria-Wales uh, playoff semi-final. First call up to the senior squad for Aaron Hickey. Let's talk to... Gordon from Tartan Scarf. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Rob. Hi, guys. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Gordon. What are you thinking? Look, I think, obviously, you know, we're talking about football, but obviously we can't talk about football, really, because what's important is that, you know, the situation in Ukraine, and obviously we're we're all so desperate to be playing Ukraine and hopefully taking on John's Wales or Austria for a place in the World Cup and that was what was important and now that feels very unimportant but I think what's lovely is that with this playoff next with this um, friendly next week against Poland that they've hastily arranged that you know £10 from every ticket is going to go to UNICEF if the Tartan Army can sell out that game that's potentially about half a million pounds that could be going to the to benefit disadvantaged people in Ukraine and really that's that's what it's all about right now isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's a it's basically a keeping things going exercise for Stevie Clark, isn't it? It's a it's a training camp with a couple of games hastily arranged, but as you say, just a, a big chance to put on a big show at Hamden next week uh, and make a contribution. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, um, but I, th- I, th- I think you're right. You know, that you look at this squad, and this is what Steve Clark does. It is it is continuity with what's come before. He's building something. He's developing something. There's a few changes, you know, I think it's really exciting that Aaron Hickey's in. I think if this was the two competitive games we were looking at, I'm not sure Hickey might have been in, but because it's friendlies now, you've got more opportunity to blood in guys like him. I think we could hopefully see more of Jacob Brown. He only got five minutes out in Moldova. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think it's it's desperately disappointing that we're not playing these playoff games because I just think with respect to Wales and with respect to Austria and Ukraine, of course, I think that's a squad that goes to the World Cup. John? I disagree with you, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> no, all joking aside, listen, I've got huge respect for um, Steve Clark, and I've got even bigger respect for the, these group of players that are playing for the Scottish national team. Some wonderful players there. I've watched them for several years, obviously living up here, playing up here, living in Edinburgh now. I'm across all the games, all the internationals. And you are a fantastic team. You know, you're so strong. And think of Aaron Hickey at left back. Look look at the strength you have on that left hand side. Greg Taylor, uh, the likes of Andy Robertson, Kieran Tini. Um, you know, you got Lyndon Dykes, uh, I think is um, you know, a really good player. Come up Trumps for you, Ryan Christie, Shay Adams is banging goals in at Southampton in the Premier League. Um, Gordon uh, David Marshall has just come back into the fray as well. He's been your hero in the past, saving you know in that penalty shootout. So you know you've got a magnificent team now. But what I what I would say to you also is, is that Wales have qualified for the last two major tournaments. They qualified for France in 2016, and then they qualified for all around Europe in 2021. So they must take a bit of momentum and a little bit of uh, belief in terms of they can do well in this playoff. Well, first and foremost, Gordon, we have to go and take Austria very seriously because they are a very, very good side. 
And I can be I can be honest with you, mate. I hope I hope you get to the final. I would love to see both nations there. I really, really would. But obviously, that's that's you know uh, theoretic. That's just you can't. That's just not going to happen. It's physically impossible. But um, we Wales will respect Austria, and they have greater respect for Scotland. And I see it as a fifty-fifty game. Um, we have got superstars, you know, the likes of Ramsey and Bale. Yeah, and enough of the Wales. Come on. Joe, oh, no, we have, Rob. Let me go through it. Because at the end of the day, the Scottish, they'll want to know. Well, not if we play Austria in the final. Well, of course not. But listen, Gordon thinks, you know, it's, it's, it's Scotland. And you might well be right, Gordon, because you've got a wonderful group of players. But I can tell you now, it's in Cardiff. And, you know, it gets very hot there. And under the lights... You know, the likes of the teams that Wales have beaten over mm. the years, the Belgiums and one or two other big, big nations to get to where they are now. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah I so, get you completely. But but you look at that squad, Gordon, and I mean, we were just speaking about it earlier on. We were just speaking about the form domestically in Scotland at the moment of, of Jack and McGregor, to name but two. You look at what Scott McTominay does for Manchester United. I saw an after-match interview he did recently. It was after they lost heavily to City and... He was just mighty impressive as a as a person and what he said and, and how he's actually maintaining his form in a really difficult situation as well. John mentioned Che Adams, Stuart Armstrong's on top form at Southampton, Kieran Tierney at Arsenal, Andy Robertson at Liverpool. It's when you go through those names, uh, you know, Lyndon Dykes before he was injured, uh, scoring goals for QPR, Ryan Christie impressive for Bournemouth, looking to get promoted to the to the Premiership. Uh, Craig Gordon just has been consistently brilliant in goals for for Hearts this season. I mean, that's practically a whole team, isn't it? You're you're, you're absolutely right, and but I think John, John's hit on a really really important point there that Scotland have always always had, and even in the last twenty years, we've always had good players that we can look at and think, well, they're doing well at their club, so why can't they do it for Scotland? And it often just hasn't quite translated. But what we have now, and it's what Wales have had for quite a while, and they've been so impressive, is that we've got a great team. We've not just got great players, we've built a team and a squad. Mm. And the belief in that team and what they're doing is so high now. The confidence this group of players have got when they play together, that they can take on anyone, that they can win games. I mean, you saw what they did to Denmark, the 10th best team in the world in November. They turned up and we blew them away. And that, that's always been something that's impressed me about what Wales have done is that they've gotten results that you just, you look at their squad on paper and the clubs that they're coming from, you think, how have they done that? But it's because they've got a great system and great belief in one another. And that's what Scotland are now getting. So yeah, we've maybe followed, followed their example and hopefully we can, we can go one better. All right, well, John. Yeah, well, I, I, I would have to say again. You know, you look at Dan James at Leeds Premier League, Ben Davis at Spurs, oh, Joe Roden. No, I'm just saying. I no, forgot Real Madrid. Joe Roden has Gareth Bale, Real Madrid, four Champions Leagues. Juventus. All I'm saying is, you know, Premier League players, and mm. and although Scotland are much improved, and you've had some wonderful results. The result against Denmark was awesome. You've been on a you've been on a great run. The win in Vienna was big. Vienna was massive. What a result that was! And you've got a real good manager as well, and Steve Clark, who's been around the, uh, you know, the Premier League, who's worked with people like Mourinho and Bobby Robson, and Hodgson and, and Robson, yeah. you know, and he's wise and he's intelligent and he knows he knows the game inside out. Um, you went all out to get Steve Clark as the national manager, and and rightly so because he's, you know you got a really top manager and a top guy there in charge and Stevie we trust but the thing is you know you know, Gordon it's, um, it's, it'll be an intriguing game but of course 
you know, you'll have the semi-final to get through and we've got a big game against Austria. And like the caller early on, earlier on, Scott, the Rangers fan, when he was almost saying that whoever wins out of Salican Rangers will win the Scottish Cup, do you just dismiss Hearts and Hibs out of that then? Do you dismiss a large country like Austria with Anautovic and yeah. Alaba and Sabitzer and all these type of great players? No. You can't. It's one game at a time. Yeah, you have to have that balance, don't you, between yeah. how much Scotland have improved and how impressive the squad looks and, and uh, treat the opposition with the utmost of respect. And if Lewandowski is playing for Poland next week, we'll be giving them plenty of respect, I would have thought. Uh, Gordon, thanks for your call. Cheers, Gordon. All the best. Pleasure. Thanks, Gordon. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Visit their showroom in Darnley, Glasgow to test drive your new taxi. Let's go! John Hartson, Rob McLean and the former Dundee manager uh, James and McPake uh, in the studio and talking football uh, between now and seven. Uh, one of the more uh, bizarre stories that's been swirling around in uh, football today has uh, concerned Chelsea, who have now, it appears, withdrawn a request for Saturday's FA Cup tie at Middlesbrough to be played behind closed doors. That's according to the English Football Association. Uh, Chelsea uh, are not allowed to sell tickets for any matches after the government froze the assets of Russian owner Roman Abramovich. Uh, Chelsea initially made the request for matters of sporting integrity. Uh, they said, um, what's now being said is that after constructive talks between the FA and Chelsea, the club has agreed to remove that request. Uh, the FA, in ongoing discussions with Chelsea, the Premier League and the government to find a solution that would enable both Chelsea fans to attend games and away fans to attend Stamford Bridge while ensuring that sanctions are respected. It's a complicated and complex story. It's a right old mess, uh, to be honest. And it maybe uh, brings the the focus around James McPake just to you know, ownership of football clubs. I mean, the, the money that's poured into the English Premier League clubs is obscene. It's a ridiculous figures, but enabling, it enables them to bring some of the best players in the world there. But in the background, there is the ownership. Uh, who owns the club? Uh, where are they from? What is the background? You know, in some cases, it's, it's a country or a state that owns the club. It's not an individual. Uh, the Saudi Arabians who, who've taken over at Newcastle and, you know, questions asked about the hu their human rights background and all the rest of it. It's, it's, it's quite a... It, it's opening up a, a, a big subject, isn't it, what's happening at the moment with Abramovich? Yeah, it certainly is, and it's... Probably way above what, what yeah, it's I above know. our heads. Yeah, it's above yeah. our heads. Yeah, but one thing it's it's a balance. You say the Premier League in England is what we would say is the best league to sit and watch. But then you, you see this kind of stuff coming out, and you go, "Is it is that why? And is it funded by these types of organisations, individuals, whatever you want to call them?" And and whereas the moral side of that, and and what's right and, and what's wrong with that. But again, it's we're talking about football yeah if it's simply down to do we want the best players in and, and to play football and to watch the games because the games are fantastic let's not deny yeah. that but it, look it's got to be in the right circumstances but look I'm that's as much as I think I'm educated to see on that matter. Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're not really qualified to get into the whole political no. side of it at all, no. John. But but you know, it, it is important. I mean, for for a football fan who looks into the way his or her club is being run. It matters, especially at times like this when, you, you know, you maybe do start looking beyond the surface where previously you give it a blind eye and mm. because lots of money's getting piled in and you're getting the best players, 
uh, and if you're Newcastle, you're moving away from the bottom of the table. Uh, all, all is all is great, but Most, but, but sometimes yeah. you look beyond and and you look at you know. What, what is behind the people who own your club? Well, most supporters would be gladly happy with a billionaire taking over your club. But it's important that before you take that opportunity to have that, you do your due diligence yeah. on that person, on that group, on that consortium, whatever it is that's taken over. And, uh, <clears throat> and that's where there's been some questions asked about uh, recent events in terms of, you know, owners and, you know, where their money comes from, what they're involved in, all these type of things. But you can't tell me a fan on the universe would love, you know, that type of money to mm. come into it. Look what's happened at Man City. Look what happened to Chelsea. Yeah. You know, look, look who I think it's, uh, you know, and as I said, you know, Newcastle been in the doldrums for a few years in terms of Steve Bruce and, Rafa Benitez dodging relegation up and down. Now, now they're going to become the richest club in the world. Mm. And, uh, you know, they have to look at things, you know, and I'm sure before they take on these billionaires, you know, the due diligence is is, is sort of looked at in terms of what, where those funds are coming from and what's happening, you know, with this. So if this is, if this is the case, then how is it, how are they passing it or how, why has it been allowed to happen? To, to go back to... You've got to look in the fit and proper person mm. and whatever, but why why is it happening? Well, the I mean, presumably there's a, a I would imagine maybe a, a allegedly a lack of accountability and and that there maybe isn't a suitable test to be passed to own a football club because there would be all sorts of questions to be asked about lots of owners of English Premier League football clubs, and and it's and it's gone way beyond the stage where a, a rich businessman takes over. Now it's whole whole countries are actually buying into clubs, and yeah, um, and right at the moment Chelsea are, are under the spotlight a big time. T talking about football riches, um, there's a massive uh, pot of gold, isn't there, at the end of the rainbow for whoever wins the the. Scottish Premiership this season and of course I guess there is thinking about it the option for it, were Rangers to win the Europa League and that's not Mission Impossible is it when you've beaten Borussia Dortmund that, that were Rangers to, to, to win the Europa League and Celtic were to win the title both would be in the, the group stages of the Champions League next season Yeah well what, what, what a you know what an achievement what a thought that would be wouldn't it um you know, the, the both clubs know the carrot at the end of the season. Um, Rangers will have to go some. Listen, it's not beyond all realms for them not to go on and win the Europa League. Mm -hmm. They got to a final several years ago, so did, you know, we know about the... Um, both clubs did it within a matter of a few years. Um, and the way that they're playing, the way that they're performing, particularly away from home... Uh, and Morelos is on fire. The atmosphere they create at Ibrox when they play at home, um, you know, they, they, they trounce teams with that crowd behind them, big sides as well. Mm. So, you know, as I said, but I, I think that the league, both clubs will be looking at the league would, would be the, obviously Celtic mm. are not in Europe. But uh, in terms of, you know, giving the manager then the opportunity to build... You know, certainly from Celtic's point of view, if Celtic can go and win the league, can you imagine what Ange Postacoglu could do with 20, 25 million as a big nest egg, as a big pot? You know, what he's gone and done on, on a bit of a shoestring mm. while he's come in 
just to amend things and to get Celtic competitive again, get them close to Rangers. But now they've 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 gone over and above that. They've excelled, and he's excelled as the leader of the group, if you like, as the manager in terms of getting them where they are, top of mm. the table, won a title in a semi final. All right, they were they were disappointed in Europe, and he's all he said that he want he would like to improve in Europe, and I think to do that. They need to get bet by a, a better quality of player. Add to the quality players that they've got. So if you can imagine, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst will be thinking exactly the same. And this is a huge season. There's so much riding on it in terms of what the club will receive. It could be up to fifty million pounds. Mm-hmm. The group stages. What if you get out of the group stages? Yeah. You know. So it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Can Rangers win the Europa League? Yes, they can. On, on, on evidence of the performances to get them where they are now they're one game from the last eight mm. you know you get to the quarter final you can get a decent draw and anything can happen I mean Andrew Postacoglu said it himself earlier on in the show didn't he from trouble to a potential treble um, in the course of what seven or eight months uh, and, and it is all there in front of Celtic at the moment just wondering I mean you know, this is a massive match for Rangers. They've still got a bit to do. I mean, you know, a 3-0 advantage is amazing to take into the, the second leg in Bel- Belgrade. And surely if they score over there, then that would be it, you, w- you would imagine. Potentially, James, do you see Europe being detrimental to Rangers' chances of the title? Uh, I'd love to say this was my point, but John came up with a point earlier on that when you're winning games in Europe, and, and John's experienced that, um, but when you're winning games in Europe and you're winning them, you're going to Dortmund. Right? Yeah, you see it. They might slip up when they come back home on the Sunday, but that, that's you're just you're rolling teams over when you come back home. You, you imagine you're going to Dortmund and winning. You're going to Red Star Belgrade, and if they get the result and get through, then they're going back up to Dens Park on Sunday when they were so dominant. Now that that's breeding confidence all the time, and it just becomes a snowball effect for me. I, I get the point that they're tired or this or that, but nowadays they've got so much recovery, and John alluded mm. to it as well. They're just they're back they'll be back the same night they'll be in in the morning to recover they'll, they'll just do their listener they'll do their shape or their their, their match prep for the Dundee game on Sunday but I, I see it as a, a benefit on Celtic's point everybody else will be saying as well well it's great that we don't have to play and, and we're then playing we, we've got Saturday we've played whenever Monday night Saturday and that, that's given us extra time to recover and and Ange Postacoglu will be looking at that as a benefit as well, but would he still love to be in Europe and, and doing what Rangers are doing? I bet he would. So it's, it's that balance, and again, it comes down to opinion and or excuse for me when you say, well, we lost that game because we were in Europe, but you can't tell me that when Rangers are going to Dortmund or beating big European teams that they're not coming back and walking out of a pitch, even if it's away from home because they'll have a massive travel and support. Celtic out the same. When John was playing in successful teams at Celtic in Europe, when they were coming back to play, he'll be better judged to speak about it than me. But if he was turning up at Easter Road in front of a massive away support mm. after having played to EC Milan or Juventus in Europe on a Wednesday night or whatever, and then they're rolling in Easter Road, they're just walking out, they're floating in, mm. saying we're just going to roll over Hibs here. That's no disrespect to Hibs. I love that club, but they're on such a high if they've had a good result or they're through, which I think Rangers are through. And I hope they do go through for the sake of Scottish football. Um, but it's, it's hard to see it. And players nowadays in particular, you look at it in England and up here we use it as an excuse too, too often for me. John again played in England. I played down there. You're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, sometimes Friday. Then you've got your 
when you play Easter Monday, when you play the Saturday as well, you're the first, the third January. So you're playing all the time, and players love that. That's it. That's a bit that we miss. Players love playing games, so in big games, in the games now for Celtic, in the games for Rangers, they're tightly going Thursday, Sunday to Dundee. These two games are massive for them, so that's a challenge for them. They managed to get through the one at Dens, get Morelos off. He was sitting having a giggle watching. Watching the game with Glenn Kamara, I think it was after forty-five minutes. So yeah. look, it's no, they, they, they're well accustomed to that. I think, I think James is right. I think winning breeds winning. You know that that word momentum is huge. Um, both sides have squads to cut uh, to. Um, they have plenty of numbers in reserve. Uh, Rangers could change the midfield every week. Uh, players love playing, and James has managed and did a really good job at that recently. But. Uh, you know, he said that if you're playing on a Thursday and then playing on a Sunday, the players hardly do any training. Mm. They're really fit at this stage of the season. What you'll do is you'll come back, you'll have your ice baths, the mass- masseurs are there. Everything's there for you, the sports science. You'll take over. So you're playing rather than training. And players love to play. Mm. Players love playing games, you know. And uh, and I think, all right, li- slightly, because I've had the experience of when we got to Seville in 2003, we ended up with nothing that year. We didn't win a trophy. And uh, at one stage, we, we were looking like, you know, we, we had a trip to Seville. But I don't put that down to the fact we got to Seville. You ask any Celtic fan now, that trip to Seville where Celtic took over 70,000 fans, would they swap that for maybe a title or a cup? I'm not too sure they would. That experience of going to Boa Vista, Stuttgart, Celta Vigo, but, um, you know, and then going to Seville. Everybody took a day off work, a week off work. The whole Celtic fans, the faithful, were all over in their numbers. Um, would they swap that? So if Rangers get to a, you know, a Europa League final, um, again, and miss out on the league, then obviously, yeah, you can talk about financially if they, if they lose the final or they lose the semi-final. But that would be a wonderful achievement, really, for, for them to have got that far in the Europa League. Um, so again, you know, if they will try and go as far as they can in every competition, they still got the treble. You look at the Europa League, yeah. the Scottish Cup, and the league. Mm-hmm. The league is really tight this season. We've got a race, um, but I agree. I agree with James. I think that bre- that winning mentality, momentum Thursday Sunday. I, I don't think it really affects you that much, you know, especially now with the squads that both clubs have got. Thursday night for Rangers in Belgrade uh, looking to get the job done against uh, Red Star 3 up from Ibrox of course uh, and then it's uh, Celtic at home to Ross County Saturday as the title race resumes Rangers back to Dens on Sunday The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda Toyota Ford Seat and more Let's go These mini travel bulletins are sometimes uh, difficult to handle uh, all began and ended rather sharply there thanks to Chris for all the traffic and travel right throughout the show we were mentioning that Matt O'Reilly of Celtic has been called up today to the Danish under 21 squad uh, brilliant news today to John Hartson um, that Christian Eriksson is back in the senior Danish squad when you think of what was happening last summer um, it's incredible, isn't it? He's back. Incredible, Rob. I think everybody's heart was in their mouth when he collapsed in the stadium, you know, in that uh, Danish stadium, full of the fans. And luckily, um, the the paramedic 
helped him give him you know CPR on the side of the pitch and then when he was carried off I think everybody that was watching that game not just the people in the studio were just praying for him mm. please survive you know the way he was just leaping up and down on the floor it looked it looked you know deadly serious at one stage and everybody was just absolutely delighted when he when he came through and obviously Brentford have signed him this yeah. season in in the Premier League um and he's managed to get a few minutes as well with Brentford so it's great it's brilliant that it's so quick as well that he's returning to the Danish national team. What a recovery, what a guy. It's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, I think he created one of the goals uh, for Brentford for uh, Ivan Tony at the weekend. And um, yeah, he could be the spark uh, for them in terms of uh, keeping them in the division. But uh, just a fantastic human story that uh, mm. that he's back again in the in the Danish national squad. Um, Georgios Yakimakis, uh, two of the goals last night for Celtic in that 3-0 win against Dundee United at uh, Tanadice and this was his manager speaking about him afterwards yeah he had to work hard tonight um, I thought the front three all three worked really hard it wasn't a game we were going to get you know, a lot of chances because like I said we you know we just were fighting with the opposition or the ball because of the pitch you know you're not going to be really smooth and, and, and sort of break them open uh, at times so they just had to work really hard and persevere and I thought that's what you know Jacko did tonight he just persevered and um, you know got on the end of things and um, you know good for him to get his goals more importantly worked really hard for the team there were a couple of hotly debated decisions in that game James McPake there was uh, the the Hatate tackle uh, early on which got yellow and which some reckon might have been red which might have made a difference to the cup tie uh, and then the handball given against Yakimakis um, which prevented uh, Maeda's goal being given um, and, and that one I don't think there's any debate about that one really is there that that, that goal should have stood yeah it's a goal let me go back to last year and the, the rule did get changed is, is what I'm led to believe um, and it's hard to follow trust I'm out of job three weeks of being a manager and I was never off the phone to Crawford asking Crawford Allen and the head of refereeing in Scotland asking certain things, but no, that, that that's he's he's a genius if he if he meant to do that with his hand last night that that should have been a goal. And you can have a go here and you don't get hold up before the beaks, so that, that's good. That's yeah, the only, that's get, only benefit. Well, of. I'm sitting on a, a one game suspended <laughs> ban, so maybe that will happen to me if I get back in. No, no, but look, I'll just I'll give my honest opinion, which is fine. Um, I thought the way with the red cards at, at Motherwell for, for the Hibs game or, or the red card mm-hmm. potentially could have been another red with the, the other challenge the Roberts challenge and then the Hatate one again falls into that category he's gave he's gave John Beaton a very a, a very good chance to send them off a decision to make to send them off did he get it right? I don't know would VAR know? I don't know but I think he's reckless the way he goes in and, and the fact that Ange Postacoglu takes him off at half-time, yeah, warranted he's on a booking. So is that the reason people will claim? But no, look, he could trust him enough to get back out and, and do that. But maybe he just thought, you know what, he's... Cause the, and don't be fooled by that because the referees knows, know, know what goes on at half-time. They'll look at their phones, they'll be looking to see what's yeah. going on. Why? Because I've asked them did they do that and they say yes. So they go in and, and he they might have even looked at the incident. I don't know if they do that. But for me... He got away with one, yeah, as did Roberts at Motherwell. We spend quite a bit of time talking about refereeing decisions, John, on this show, not because we particularly want to, but because we have to, because that they are big talking points around around Scottish football. Mm. Big moments last night, the Hitate Challenge, then the, the Yakimakis handball, and uh, one would imagine uh, John Beaton sort of looked back at that and thought, what was I thinking? Yeah, it, it happened so quick, but 
then again, he should, should know the rules. I think the boys on the telly last night mentioned it. James just said there the rules changed, uh, whereas last year have hit your hand anywhere, unintentionally, you know, unintentionally, it's a handball. This year, if your hand is anywhere and it hits your hand, it leads to a goal, then the goal should be given. Uh, the rule has changed. Uh, John would have known that last night. And regards to the Hatati one, again, um, James is right. I think he's slightly fortunate. On another day, uh, he could have been sent off. Um, but then again, uh, he, he, did he get? He, he got booked for it. Didn't he, he got, he got yeah. yellow. Yeah, mm. you could argue maybe. But then again, you know, it's one that maybe he got away with. Uh, sometimes the ref will see it, and he'll be, you know, he'll be a lot sterner with his decisions. Um, but again, I thought even the guys on the telly last night said he thought they thought that Hitati was slightly fortunate, a bit reckless. Um, so again, it's it's a decision that's gone in Celtic's way. But again, next week there might be a decision, a contentious decision from a referee, and you think that's harsh. It's happening every other week now. We see the Monday night show on here. We could almost get a referee in. Mm. I think we're going to have to. It's not a bad idea. I'm not going to. You know, I'm not a director of the show, Rob. But if we not got, yet, if, if we got uh, James, if we got a referee on the show mm -hmm. and we got a screen here, we mm -hmm. could almost go through ten incidents over the weekend's games. It's that contentious. And, and these big decisions, I said it a few weeks ago, it could decide where the title mm. goes. It do could you, decide who gets relegated. Do you think the screen would work on radio? No, but we could get them in just to discuss it to show the referee. All right, okay. Sorry, I thought you were going to... Well, you've got a state-of-the-art phone, Rob. I thought you were shifting us onto television there. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the, the next step for us. But sometimes they go for you, sometimes they don't. You, you, you'd like to think, James, you've been in the game, man, is over a course of a season... You'll get some for you, you'll get some against you. Sometimes that's not the case. Doesn't always work that way. But you'd like to think that that would be the case. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and you, consistency is what you want. We all yearn for it. Maybe VAR will give us help somewhere down the line when we can uh, manage to club together and get enough money to, to actually pay for it. Mm. Wanted to speak um, just before we go. We're fast running out of time here. Uh, just again about Celtic... Easy streets at Tannadice yesterday, Rangers similar at Dens uh, the day before, Sunday. Um, how painful was that for you to watch a Dundee team that just uh, didn't land a blow on, on Rangers um, all afternoon? I'll be honest, it was painful. I sometimes get caught up in that, that emotion where I still feel I'm the manager. Like It's still raw, it still hurts. It's, it's a group of players that and there's, there's certain staff in there that, that I'm close to. Um, I think possibly apart from Paul McGowan and Cammy Kerr where all the other players are signed. And, but they're an honest bunch that, that have done great for the football club to get them out of the championship as I, I spoke about earlier. And, and watching it, look, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm enjoying watching it. I want them to stay in the division. I want them to do well. I'm not bitter at all in any way. That look, As a football club, as I say, I spent eight years at I've got two daughters that are Dundee fans and um, one that's too young to even know. Mm -hmm. So that's where I am at that situation but I do have to move on mm -hmm. and and it hurts watching it like that. As I say, we, we played them up there. Oh, every game's different. Um, and on on that day, I believe we should have come away with three points. 
Loads of Rangers fans will disagree with that, but Jason Cummins missed a penalty. We had double the shots in target and name that day. But John McLaughlin could have been sent off on another day, maybe for the foul been. on McMullen. I get sent uh, off instead of John McLaughlin <laughs> that day for arguing. Yeah. James, I think you've been extremely humble, extremely kind because you've got every reason to be disappointed because you shouldn't have got the sack. You know, you look where they are now. They're not. They haven't improved at all. They're still rock bottom. Um, they've won five games in thirty. Um, they brought Mark McGee in. Like I know Mark. I worked with Mark before. He's a great mm-hmm. guy. He was on a six-game ban, so how can he affect the team on a ban? Um, he's he's not really. Um, he didn't come in from another job. He came in totally, totally out of the cold. So I think the people who actually made the change to dismiss James. I know he's sitting here, and I'm not sounding too patronising about him, but the people that made the decision to get James uh, McPake, you know, relieved of his duties, they have to look themselves in the mirror, and particularly if that club goes down. Mm. Now, we'll never know if James had the ability to keep Dundee up, but in terms of making a change, it's not worked. No. It's still rock bottom, and I, I feel he's very, very unfortunate, and that's why he's got to keep his head up, and sometimes get in the sack. I've spoke to lots of managers. Get in the sack, reevaluate what happened, take a bit of time out, and then you'll be a better manager when you go in next time. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel. So he shouldn't get too down about things. And I know he'll be back in the game sooner rather than later. I'm pretty sure we've lifted his spirits, um, or maybe not. Um, but I mean, I, w- I was at that game at Dens, and just, just finally before we go, I, I just could not believe the what the Dundee approach was. I didn't get what they were trying to do in the game um, because they did nothing and lost 3 0. Why not have a go? Why not give themselves some belief for what's a much more important game at Dens this Sunday in the rematch against Rangers? Yeah, well, the biggest thing for me there was you've got a chance to get to Hamden. Now that that was all, when we we had to go to Peterhead, um, and uh, the round before, and and you know it's a tricky tie. The cameras were there that night. Why? Mm. Because they wanted a an upset. Yep. So you, you get through the game. You've, we've all played in those games where you just win. You just win the game. It doesn't matter. That game there was, and people say there is no free hits in football. There's pride to be played for or whatever, but there's a chance there to get a Dundee side to Hamden, and and that's what that's what hurts me because I wanted I wanted them to get to Hamden, and and that's what hurts me. But look, it's done now. I hope that they've got Rangers this weekend, and and I genuinely do hope that they get out of this yeah, because because as much as I appreciate the kind words for John and the stuff like that, I, I'm I'm a massive part of that. The one thing I are going to pick him up on is he says they're still rock bottom. They weren't rock bottom at the time. Yeah, yeah, we, we are. No, I'm just saying the rock bottom. Yeah, now. they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, so apart from that, they but haven't in any way improved since since they relieved you off your job. No, yeah. no I, pre- I appreciate that word, and, and I do hope they do well. And and we appreciate you coming into the studio. Good to see you, and we'll see you again, uh, James. Thanks very Hopefully, much. Yeah. Indeed, thank John. Thank you as well. Uh, and we're back tomorrow. It's Paul Cooney, Barry Ferguson, Davy Proven in the studio, live at five. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com. Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go! Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees, they even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So 
if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only.